So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations. And this, the 1st of January, 2023, it's the Feast of Mary, the Holy Mother of God. My name is John Kelly, and help me to present the programme again, Shane Ambrose. Happy New Year to you, Shane. Happy New Year, John. How are we doing? Good. Thanks indeed, Shane, for joining me. You got over the Christmas okay? As they say in Ireland, we got through <laughs> you fulfilled your duties washing up and all that sort of stuff and yeah. maybe cooking for you yes you I was I was, I was on commie chef duty well done well done and we hope of course our listeners also enjoyed their, their Christmas day and their Christ- and we're, we're of course still in the Christmas season but maybe the few days where people had a chance to uh, connect up with family and close friends so as I said my name is John Keeley uh, still joined by Shane Ambrose and at this point, we'd also like to wish wish our listeners, uh, of course, Happy New Year at this stage. Uh, especially our listeners who are housebound, lonely and struggling in some way. And our listeners who support us each week in prayer. Our weekly podcast includes interviews, chats and faith topics, inspirational music and reflection, of course, on the Sunday Gospel. All of our podcasts can be heard at comeandseeinspirations.budsprout.com. Just Google Come and See Inspirations, you'll find us there. Sacredspace102.blogspot.com, that's an historical blog, where we have some of our recordings going back to 2009. Again, if you just Google Sacred Space 102, you'll find us there. We're also available to be heard at Spotify and iTunes, and of course on our Facebook page, Come and See Inspirations. Text us, and please do so. We always like to get the text, just to let, maybe listeners might let us know what they think about the programme, what they think in terms of maybe suggestions to have people come on and share with us. You can do that two ways, come and see inspirations at gmail.com. That's email, come and see inspirations, all one word, at gmail.com. Text us 087-6088-667, international 0035387-6088-667. And again, um, Thanks a lot indeed for all those listeners who joined us in 2023. And we look forward to meeting you again in 2000, uh, 2022. We look forward to meeting you again in 2023. As usual, we'll have Shane to introduce some saints for the week and maybe a few more little bits and pieces he wants to share with us. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, John. Um, yeah, I was getting a bit worried there a second when you said we were already at the end of 2023. <laughs> I was kind of going, OK, I must have missed that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, liturgical odds and ends. Right, OK. Um, I need people to kind of bear with me because our liturgical odds and ends this week depend where on in the world you're sitting. Um, and I'm conscious of the fact that we actually have quite a number of listeners that listen to the podcast, particularly in the United States of America. And unfortunately, this is one of those weeks where the liturgical calendars diverge ever so slightly across countries. Well, I didn't realise that that would, that would happen in the judge. Well, mm-hmm. yes. In, in So if we look at it from a global point of view, obviously the calendar doesn't move. But obviously yeah. different countries and the Episcopal conferences of different countries can petition Rome to move things around ever so slightly. So in the United States of America, the Feast of the Epiphany is actually moved to the Sunday. It's like here in Ireland where Corpus Christi and Ascension have been yeah, moved yeah, to the nearest okay, Sunday. Okay. Yeah, so in the States, they've moved Epiphany to the nearest Sunday. But because Christmas fell on a Sunday this year, we're short a few Sundays in the liturgical calendar. <laughs> so things, things are a little bunched, shall we say. But anyway, so just starting off first, I'm going to do the liturgical calendar as it stands for Ireland uh, for the following week. And obviously, of course, in our home diocese of Limerick. Just before you start, just before you start, 
If they're bringing the epiphany forward to this Sunday. No, no, the epiphany is now going to be next Sunday. Are we next Sunday too, aren't we? No, no. We're Epiphany's the 6th. Our Epiphany doesn't move. Don't confuse things. Leave, leave liturgical <laughs> nerds where liturgical nerds are. Okay. Just, okay. We'll, we'll go through it. We'll go through it. Okay. 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 So, today, uh, so today, as John said, is the 1st of January and it is the Solemnity of Mary, the Mother of God. So this means that um, it's a solemnity. So it outranks the Feast of the Holy Family. So the Feast of the Holy Family was celebrated last Friday. Okay, so it's the Solemnity of Mary, the Holy Mother of God, which is one of her most ancient titles in the church, Theotokos. Um, So it's one of the ones that is given to her and it is celebrated as the octave day of Christmas, which is the final day of the Christmas octave. Now, we mentioned the octave last week, Mm -hmm. so I came across a great description of the octave during the week. Um, Octaves are mysterious, is how it describes For church time is suspended so that we can rest in the mystery of the feast. In her wisdom, Holy Church stops her clock so that we contemplate the mystery of the feast from different angles and through different lenses. I thought it was a great description. It was. Different different lenses. Yeah. Different ways of looking at it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I just that just thought that was a so today is the octave day for for the Easter or for the Christmas octave. So Monday the second of January. Okay, so these are two heavy heaters. It's Saint Basil and Saint Gregory. Uh, Gregory of Nanzianzin, I think is how you pronounce the man's name. They're both doctors of the church. They're Greek doctors of the church, to be precise. Uh, Basil died in three seventy nine. Gregory died in three eighty nine. Um, they were great friends throughout their life. Basil um, became the Bishop of Caesarea. He lived a very ascetic life and established norms for monastic life, which are still in use down to the present time in the monasteries of the Orthodox Church in the East. He, he's and, and both Gregory and Basil are um, theologians of extreme distinction and are um, known as the the Cappadocian doctors because that's where they were from in Cappadocia. Gregory died in 389. He was a friend of Basil. He eventually became the Bishop of Sazima and later of Constantinople. He he didn't have a great time in Constantinople, it has to be said, and he retired to a monastery in later life. Um, Basil's family is an interesting one because his mother, father and four of his nine siblings were canonised including his brother Gregory of Nisia. So there's two Gregories in his life, okay? Mm-hmm. His grandmother was also canonized. So, you know, this man, you know, there was there was a lot of these guys in the say there was a lot of these in, there was a lot of them. There was a lot of them in the family. Um so that's Saint Basil and then Saint Gregory, as I said, he is known as the theologian and he was a reluctant priest. And basically, um, he assisted his bishop father to prevent an Arian schism in the diocese. And he's famous for opposing the Arian, the Arian heresy at the time, which got him into a lot of trouble when he was appointed the Bishop of Constantinople. Now, before people get their knickers in a twist, I mentioned his father was the bishop. They came from uh, a family of priests and bishops. And at that time in the Orthodox Church, they were allowed to marry. Okay. So that was just that was just at mm-hmm. the time, mm-hmm. and they still do. They're still married clergy in the Eastern churches down to the present time. So then, moving on on the third of January on the Irish calendar, we have two feast days. We celebrate the feast of the Holy Name of Jesus, and this is very much linked, of course, to the conferral of the name of Jesus on him 
uh, fulfilling the, the the request of the angel to St. Joseph. And obviously, of course, as well, marks uh, the circumcision of the Lord in compliance with Jewish law. Um, and it's an interesting one. It, um, it was a feast day that was kind of started around the 15th century. And then it was spread throughout the whole church in 1721. So it's one of those ones that has come in to the, mm. in, into the calendar. Uh, at the same time, and it's, it's actually been restored to the Irish calendar in the last couple of years. It had kind of slipped down the list slightly. At the same time on the Irish calendar, on the 3rd of January, we also celebrate the feast day in our home diocese of Limerick of St. Munchen, who is the patron saint of the diocese. Now, he's a peculiar saint. His history is very clouded. We're not quite sure uh, of his family background. There's a bit of controversy over which particular clan or tribe that he was part of. Um, we're not even 100% sure of which churches he founded. There's a number associated with him, including the, the, the old church of St. Munchen in the, in the city. He's very much associated with the city of Limerick, but he's renowned for cursing the natives of the city, which I find a bit strange. Mm-hmm. He has taught to have said that the stranger would flourish and the native would perish. And this is due to the fact that the, the natives of the city did not help him when he was building his church in the city, though those passing without throughout helped him without question. So it's just it's an interesting one that a person who cursed the natives of the city didn't went on to become the patron of the city in particular. Question. Yes. The holy name of Jesus and St. Munchen. Mm-hmm. I would have thought... The holy name of Jesus takes precedence, and and you don't mention anybody else. I mean, that should be exactly. So, on the general calendar in Ireland, the holy name of Jesus takes precedence. However, because Saint Munchen is the patron of the diocese, he gets a mention. Anyway. He gets a precedence. He gets a precedence because he is the he is the patron of the diocese. So it's the diocesan it's the diocesan feast day. Because if that was the case, he'd never have a feast day because it always is on the third. Well, it's always on the third. <laughs> um, so. Um, and in tradition, is in the 7th century, he was granted a church at Ibton in the tidal waters of Limerick City. Uh, where And he said where, that's where he said to found a religious community as well. But as I said, it's all a bit questionable about poor old St. Well, Munchen. <laughs> but he is, the, he is the patron. He's one of the principal patrons of the Diocese of Limerick. So we celebrate his feast day on the 3rd. On the 4th, I picked a guy from the calendar. Now, bear me on this one, John. St. Manuel Gonzalez Garcia. Just because you can pronounce it better than me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this gentleman is obviously with a name like that. He's Spanish. Mm. Um, he's known as the Apostle of the Abandoned Tabernacles. Uh. He was the fourth of five boys in his family. He was ordained a priest in the Diocese of Seville in 1901. And in a 1902, he was sent to preach a mission. And when he arrived, he found the church filthy and neglected. And he knelt before the tabernacle in Eucharistic adoration and felt a call to revitalize devotion to the Eucharist and adoration. And to do this, he founded the Disciples of St. John on the 4th of March, 1910, to spread devotion to the Eucharist and St. John. He was a chosen Auxiliary Bishop of Malaga in Spain in 1915. He was then made the Bishop of Malaga in 1920. He was moved to Palencia in 1935 and he eventually died in 1940 in Madrid of natural causes. And he's buried next to the tabernacle in the Cathedral of Palencia in Spain. Okay. Okay. Now, the 5th of January on the Irish calendar is the feast day of St. Charles of Mount Argus, otherwise known as St. Charles of St. Andrew. He's a passionist saint associated with Mount Argus, which is one of the passionist communities in Dublin. Um, he studied, he, he was born in Holland, he's Dutch, 
And then he studied. He was a slow learner, but a dedicated student. He was enlisted in the military in 1840. He served for five years. And then he joined the Passionists in 1845, taking the name of Charles of St. Andrew. He was ordained in 1850. And then he was transferred to Dublin in 1857. And except for a brief trip to England in 1866, he spent the rest of his life in Dublin, invigorating the area with, and was a noted healer. Um, and he was canonized in 2007 by Pope Benedict XVI. And he died in 1893 at Mount Argus from an infected leg wound received in a, a carriage accident. So then we move on. The 6th of January on the Irish calendar is the feast day of the Epiphany. The solemnity of the Epiphany, I beg your pardon. And the Epiphany, of course, is the manifestation of Jesus as Messiah and is generally signified in by three different things. The, the, the manifestation is recognised in the liturgy by three different means. First of all, in Ireland, it's the traditional of the Magi. It's the arrival of the three wise kings and it's the time that they would be put into the crib. On parts of the continent, in particularly in Spain, it's the Three Kings Day. And and in, in Germany as well, there's traditions around the Three Kings arriving. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Eastern Church, in very much in, 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 in the Orthodox Church, the focus, if they're not celebrating Christmas Day, because their Christmas Day can vary depending on the calendar. Um, so they celebrate, some, some of the Orthodox Church celebrate their Christmas on the 6th of January. But if they're not celebrating on the 6th of January, they celebrate the manifestation of Jesus in, in terms of his baptism in the Jordan. And the manifestation there of God confirming that this was his son, my son, the beloved. Mm. And and it's also linked up very much as well with the manifestation of Jesus as the Messiah through his first miracle at Cana. So all those three things are kind of caught up in the celebration of the day. But in Ireland, anyway, on the 6th of January, it's still Epiphany, Feast Solemnity of Epiphany. In Ireland, it's known as Nolignaman, Women's Christmas or Little Christmas, because by tradition, it was the ladies' day off. And the men were supposed to kind of sort out things after all the hustle and bustle of the Christmas and let the let the let let the ladies celebrate. It's that part of the tradition has kind of resurfaced in the last number of years and is very much becoming a kind of a ladies' night out. Um, the, the 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 bit the bit connected with the chapel is the bit that's kind of missing at the moment, but that's yeah. that's mm-hmm. kind of you know par for the course almost at this stage. In the UK and in England in particular, this is Twelfth Night. So you hear of the Twelfth Night Christmas, Christmas. Christmas. yeah. So Epiphany is the Twelfth Night. Um, so that's 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 what it's celebrated. Uh, and in um, and then on Friday on Saturday the seventh of January we have the feast day of Saint Raymond of Peniafort who died in twelve seventy five, and he is known as the patron saint of I'm going to say he's the patron saint of canon lawyers. Um, yes, canonists, lawyers, attorneys, and barristers. And he died, as I said, in 1275 at Barcelona in Spain of natural causes. So that means then next Sunday, the 8th of January, on the Irish calendar, is the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord and which closes out the Christmas season. So the poor old wise men, they only get two days in the crypt, so... Uh, well, this year, well, yes, this year they get this year they get one, two. Well, they get yeah, they get two and a half days in the crib. <laughs> oh. Unless you're 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 living up in Kalili where it's Ita, uh celebrate, and don't they hold on to Christmas? Oh, they hold on to their Christmas until the feast of Saint Ita on the is it the twelfth? Yeah, the 15th? No, yeah, yeah. Get, no, Well, you see now, technically, John, depending. So on the current calendar, 
The Christmas season ends on the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, which is the first Sunday after the Feast of the Epiphany. But up to 1969 and the reform of the calendar, the Christmas season was extended until the 2nd of February. Candlemas. Okay. Oh, yeah. Candlemas. Okay. Yeah, it was Candlemas. It was the end of the Christmas season. But that's why in many churches, the crib and the Christmas decorations will be left up until the Feast of Candlemas. Um, because it was linked in. You see, all of these things are linked in with tradition. Yeah. So the yeah, idea yeah. was it was linked in to the 40 days of purification that Mary would have yeah, undergone yeah, after yeah. giving birth to her son as per the Jewish law. And so 40 days after Christmas is the 2nd of February. So, you know, that's that was the linkages that was the linkages in that were there. There is there is an underlying li- linkage logic <laughs> even to some of these things. So uh-huh. now going back to our friends in America. Yes. So if uh, just to say that if you are um, celebrating. Uh, so in the US, the Feast of the Epiphany is Sunday week, the 8th of January. So on the 6th of January, you will fe- celebrate the feast day of St. Annette. Uh, uh, he's, Sexton, is it? Uh, no, no, that's Anne St. No, no, don't, mm-hmm. don't confuse things now, John. Don't confuse things. Don't. Uh, Andre Bessette is who you will celebrate on the 6th of January. And then you'll celebrate Epiphany on the 8th, and you'll celebrate the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord on Monday the 9th. Have I totally confused you then? That's all right. I, thank God I'm not in America anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of these things, you know. Um, it's an interesting one. When when feast days and, and things like that are moved, even though, you know, the, how will I put it, the understanding and the logic is kind of slightly divorced from people's lives in the modern world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in some ways, particularly in an Irish context, you couldn't see the bishops proposing to move Epiphany to the following Sunday. There would be uproar. Because it's connected so much around the tradition of Nolignaman. Mm, yes, you yes, know. yeah. Um, you know, so, but at the same time, then we have done it because the Irish bishops have moved Ascension and they have moved Corpus Christi. So it just, it just depends. We'll see what happens. In the meantime, we do have the Pope's intentions. Yes, so it is the beginning of the month. So we'll have the prayer intentions for the month of January 2023. The Pope prays that educators may be credible witnesses, teaching fraternity rather than competition and helping the youngest and the most vulnerable above all. I think it's a very appropriate feast day for the month of January, given that the feast of St. Don Bosco is at the end of January, and Don Bosco is very much a patron of the youth and of youth education. Because this is the feast of Mary, the Mother of God, um, I said I'd have a little prayer space here this morning, uh, including a prayer to Mary. And people would have known this because this is actually adapted from the Novena to Our Lady of Perpetual Help. But this is the prayer. Mary, our perpetual help, with the greatest confidence we come to you. We we remember that moment when you said yes to God and accepted God's call to be the mother of his son. Help us, your children, to accept our own calling in life. When you heard that your cousin Elizabeth was in need, you immediately went to serve her and offer your help. Help us like you to be concerned for others, mother of sorrows. You face many trials and difficulties in your life. Help us through the challenges and disappointments of life. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So now we go for our first bit of music this morning. Continuing on in the season season, uh, songs and music, we'll um, now play from the Celtic tenors, Angels We Have Heard of I. Come back and join us again in part two. Angels 
So welcome back again to the second part of Common Sea Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Abrus. Now, last week, uh, a lot of our listeners would have noticed that we had an awful lot of people join us um, to offer their Christmas reflections and thoughts with us. We had too many, actually, to play that particular week. So we said we'd leave two of them over, two beautiful ones we said we'd leave over until today. The first one we're going to play is by a good friend, Noreen Lynch. And Noreen offers us two pieces of music uh, waiting for you and 
um, lean to, in towards the light. But her reflection really centres around the topic that we asked her to reflect on, which is that of hope. So now we can listen to Noreen as she reflects for us on uh, um, the season of Christmas, hope, and a little, little mention too of Advent. So let's listen to Noreen.
darkness. I suppose it's the absence of light, a lack leading to concern or stress or worry. I think of how worried we all were recently in the cold snap. What might happen? We wondered if the electricity went out, if we didn't have the artificial light of our phones or street lamps, if we couldn't know what might happen next. Darkness is exhausting. Its only relief is when a light shines, whether it's starlight, a torch or the moon brightening our path. That small light in the darkness can be such a godsend and can lift the fear in our hearts. Many people this winter fell in, feel in darkness. The price of heating, of groceries, of repayments are not only high. We're often in the dark about how bad it might get. The climate crisis frightens us as increasingly bad weather suggests that we might not be able to leave it to the politicians to fix this. An increasingly fearful and angry debate about why we cannot help others until all our people are helped first causes a tension between our natural desire to be kind and a fear that it might cost us too much to soften any bit at all. The words of the first Advent hymn we heard today just ring in my ears. The earth cries out, nothing feels right. The world cries out, no justice in sight. Fires burning everywhere. Too high, too many, too bright. We are waiting for you. We are waiting for you. And then we hear the Advent hymn say, Let us be a sign of hope. Let us be your arms of love. Let us be the ones who say, there is another way. So when we speak of darkness, we're pulled immediately into hope. What is hope? I suppose the dictionary says hope is the desire accompanied by the expectation of our belief in fulfillment. Or in another place, it says that hope is to want something to be true, to happen or to be true, and to usually have a good reason to think that it might come true. So is, is hope an aspiration or a dream? Is it wishful thinking that sits passively awaiting a saviour to provide us with answers, fuel, security, before we dare to be kind, inclusive and wise? Actually, I want to suggest that Christian hope is something much different. Christian hope, Christians, are not people who are passively awaiting a saviour who will provide solutions to our fears at some future date and time. Christians who carry Christian hope are people who already know our saviour. So we know the answers. We know to choose love. We know that we are called to create heaven on earth now, not in some utopian future somebody else will take care of. Christians are people already living out of hope even if it doesn't feel that way sometimes. So I want to offer four thoughts this Advent as we look for hope in the darkness. I want to say that Christian hope is not passive. It's not waiting, 
without hope. It's not just sitting to see what happens. Christian hope is in a person, not in a dream. Christian hope is with the Holy Spirit. So it's, we're not waiting for some external sign. And Christian hope is communal, not individual. We are on a pilgrimage together and we're called to bring all creation home safely together and as one. Let me say a word to Christian hope not being passive. There's a lovely letter from the Teze community in 2003 that speaks well to the challenge we have as Christians. And they say, in the Bible, the divine promise does not ask us to sit down and wait passively for it to come about as if by magic. Before speaking to Abraham about the fullness of life God offered to him, God says, leave your country and your home for the land I will show you. To enter into God's promise, Abraham is called to make of his life a pilgrimage, to undergo a new beginning. And similarly, the good news of the resurrection is not a way of taking our minds off the tasks of life here and now, but a call to set out on the road. Jesus says, men of or the angel says, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking up towards heaven? Go into the entire world and proclaim the good news to the whole of creation. As Christians, we believe that when in darkness we do not await the appearance of light, we actively search for light because we know light is there and we share that light. And when we see no light, we recognise it as temples of the Holy Spirit, as resurrection people, that we are bringers of light. We are the people we are waiting for, disciples of Jesus bringing good news, or as the Advent hymn said, let us be a sign of hope. Let us be your arms of love. Let us be the ones who say there is another way. We are waiting for you. We are waiting for that Gloria in excelsis Deo. So if Christian hope is not passive, I might ask, how am I a, a sign of hope in a frightened world? What one Advent action will offer arms of love to people around me who are afraid? How are we as faith communities, as parishes, saying this Advent, there is another way. Hope is stronger than fear. Love wins. So if Christian hope is not passive, it is also not tied into a dream, an aspiration, but to a person. At the end of this, we will listen to a second Advent hymn about hope, and it begins with these words. It says, winter is the oldest season, but quietly. Beneath the snow, seeds are stretching out and reaching, faithful as the morning glow. So often, we wonder if God is here at all, doing anything at all. In wintertime, we think nothing is happening. And yet beneath the snow, beneath the frost, bulbs are breaking open. What might it be like to consider that God has already made all things to the good and asks that we would cooperate in that goodness so it can be completed, that no season is unimportant or dead, that no love is wasted? Again, from the Teze letter, we hear the Christian hope is hope in God and Jesus Christ. It is a confident affirmation that God is faithful, that God will complete what God has begun. It is also therefore that confident expectation which waits patiently and ardently for God's purposes to be fulfilled. And so we pray, Lord Jesus Christ, we await your company, your coming. 
we wait filled with hope, knowing your light will shine in the darkness. We wait anticipating your peace, believing that one day it will fill our world. We wait embracing your love, may we reach out to share it with our neighbours. We wait with joy, bubbling us in expectation of your birth. Lord, we wait. Come soon and fill us with your life. Can you hear that waiting that's not passive and that's grounded in a person, not just an idea? At its heart, Christian hope is internal, not external. We are not waiting for a pronouncement, for we already know Christ. Sometimes when it's hard to consider hope in the darkness, it's nice to remember that we who have been baptised or confirmed or received any of the church's sacraments are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what we teach. That's what we believe. God is closer to you than your next breath. Hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Far from being a simple wish for the future with no guarantee that it will come about, Christian hope is the presence of divine love in person, in the Holy Spirit, a current of life that carries us to the ocean of the fullness of communion. You and I are not waiting for God to come close. We are waiting in order to recognise God already here. We are waiting and being still in order to be present to what God is already doing in the world. And that is our hope. That is our dream. Finally, Christian hope is pilgrimage. It's walking the road together. All these truths that Christian hope is in person, is active and has its source within us, are worth a lifetime's reflection. But this final truth underpins them and keeps us grounded and supported in what we do. See, Christian hope is not for observers. It's for participants and it's a team sport. As Christians, we are participants, co-creators, co-conspirators in God's work. Pope Francis, speaking of how our hearts can get hardened and how we need to develop soft hearts, said, when a heart becomes hardened, it's not free. And if it's not free, it's because that person isn't able to love. A love that's perfect banishes fear. In love, there's no fear because fear is expecting a punishment and a person who's afraid doesn't have perfect love. He or she is not free. They're constantly afraid of what might go wrong. You can follow thousands of catechism courses, thousands of spirituality courses, of yoga and Zen courses and all of those things, but none of this will be able to give you the freedom as a child of God. Only the Holy Spirit can prompt your heart to say, Father. Only the Holy Spirit is capable of banishing, of breaking that hardness of heart and making your heart soft, docile, when it comes to the freedom to love. So how can Advent help us to find hope in the darkness? Why is this time of year special? It's no coincidence, it's no coincidence that here in the Northern Hemisphere, where Christianity evolved, Advent happens in the darkest winter. There's a real encouragement to slow down, to notice what matters, and not to miss Christ coming among us. For when we recognise Christ in the world and in each other, then Christian hope is alive in a precious way. 
It's also no surprise that this commercial feast has emerged to dazzle and pressurise and inspire people through the dark times. So at a time when people have trouble finding reasons for hope, those who place their trust in the God of the Bible need more than ever to give anyone who asks an account of the hope that is in them, as is in Peter's letter. Christians are invited to understand what is specific about the hope that comes from faith in order to root their lives in that. Advent gives us the opportunity to be still, to reflect on what is it to be a Christian and how can I have hope at a time when so many are stressed and worried, including ourselves? What is it that we have heard or learned or experienced? What do we know from our lives? And how can we articulate that in a way that is hopeful for others? Because articulating it doesn't mean we have to say, this is why I'm a Catholic. It might be those arms of love, those signs of hope that say, when I could just take care of myself and close the door, I know there's something more important. Advent gives us the moment to notice, to be still, and to recognise what matters. And we recognise that we matter, each person. Each person is made holy through the incarnation. All of creation is filled with the Spirit of God. Cardinal Cerny gave a beautiful lecture in Mainz recently, and he finished by quoting the words of an early church father. He says, if you do not find God in the stranger, in the refugee and in the poor, you will not find him in the Eucharist either. Advent is an invitation to join up our thinking, to recognise the Christian hope that brings us beyond the fear of the stranger, the refugee, the price of everything, the fear of being poor. Shadows of the world will say there's no hope. Why try anyway? But every kindness, large or slight, shifts the balance to the light. Advent is an invitation to lean in towards the light. Lean in towards the light. is the oldest season But quietly beneath the snow Seeds are stretching out and reaching Faithful as the morning glow What you must the light. Let it go, shake off the dust the light. Today is now, tomorrow back Keep practicing resurrection This world will say
no hope why try to wait Every kindness, large or slight Shifts the balance toward the light Water's wide and open wide Don't just walk when you can fly Justice seems in short So thanks again to Noreen for sharing the, those pieces of music. And of course, as, as usual, Noreen puts an awful lot of thought into that. And we do appreciate the time that Noreen and indeed all of our listeners, all of our contributors uh, put into uh, gathering together the, the reflections for this year. The second uh, reflection we're going to listen to this morning is again another good friend of our uh, of the programme, Jane Mellis. Of course, Jane, as we know, uh, works for Trocra. She's the Laudate Sea officer. And Jane again offers, offers us um, again a reflection on hope and centred around what, what um, Jane is very good at, around the environment this time of the year, God's earth and so on and so forth. And that's going to be followed by a beautiful piece of music, uh, actually played by Louis Armstrong, entitled What a Wonderful World. But let's listen to Jane Mellet as she offers us her reflection for this year. As we enter into this Christmas season, we've been very busy rushing around for the last few weeks. So there's an invitation here as we have prepared to pause, to be still, to reflect on our lives a little bit more during these Christmas days. It might seem counterintuitive to do that, but the Advent season and the Christmas season invite us into a different way of being in the world. I'd like to invite you to look at nature in these Christmas days. What is God's creation saying to us right now? The days are shorter, 
the creatures are hibernating, growth has slowed, the soil is resting, the leaves have fallen, and we can see the shapes of the trees and their branches more clearly. It's a time to look and to listen. The earth might appear a dark place at the moment as our common home is turned away from the sun, but this darkness is necessary for the bulbs and the seeds to ready themselves for the burst of growth in the springtime. In the darkness of the soil, things are happening. For us too, our attention is drawn inwards after the busy preparations for Christmas. We too go into a sort of hibernation for a few days or if we are lucky for a few weeks. It's a time to rest, to restore, to reflect. A time to consider what is really important in our lives. As we were busy preparing for Christmas, a very important conference was taking place in Canada called COP15. It was the UN Conference on Biodiversity. Delegates from all over the world gathered there to see how we might care more deeply for our common home. They were told that since 1970, almost 60% of wildlife has disappeared from our planet due to human activity. Not due to the natural evolution of things, but due to human activity. We are so dependent on the vast ecosystems of our planet for survival, and more importantly, all of these living creatures have value and worth in themselves, each of them fulfilling a purpose in this vast web of life. In Pope Francis's letter about caring for a common home, Laudato Si, he notes how we need an ecological conversion, where the effects of our encounter with Jesus Christ become evident in our relationship with the world around us. He says, living our vocation to protect God's creation is not an optional aspect of our Christian experience. He also asks us, what kind of worlds do we want to leave to those who come after us, to children who are now growing up? He says, the roots of the ecological crisis are deeply spiritual because we've forgotten who we are and where we come from. He says, we've lost our connection with the natural world. So as we slow down in these Christmas days, we might use the opportunity to reconnect with this natural world, to notice the beauty which is around us. During the COVID-19 lockdowns, many people used that time to reconnect with nature. We all began to notice birdsong, to notice the beauty around us. We saw major cities in our world suddenly free from air pollution as the world paused. It showed us what we are capable of as a human race when we come together to address a crisis. The young climate activist Greta Thunberg inspires me greatly, and she says, when we start to act, hope is everywhere. She says, instead of looking for hope, look for action, and then the hope will come. Each of us can do something to care more deeply for our common home. We could spend more time in nature, noticing the trees, the plants, the wind, the soil, reconnect, try to regain a childlike sense of awe and wonder during these days. Laudato Si tells us that God is in all of creation, in the soil, water, mountains, everything is a caress of God. We might even prepare the ground for planting at home, in school or parish, 
Nature is getting ready for spring and the new possibilities it brings. We can think about how we might rewild our world during this time. We can have a Ladarosi Christmas, embracing the joy that comes with freeing ourselves from consumer culture, focusing on what really matters, the connections and values we share, reaching out to those who are isolated at this time, sharing experiences rather than material things, recycling, upcycling, using less packaging, avoiding single-use plastics. We can also pray for our planet, pray for world leaders to make the right decisions to care more deeply for our world. Every year at Christmas, we celebrate God reaching down into humanity, but we also celebrate God's continuing presence in our lives and in our world today, fully at work in creation at every stage, then, now, and forever. God is born into our world continuously. God's glory is seen in the natural world around us. So this Christmas season, may we use this time wisely as the earth does, preparing our hearts and spirits for the celebration of the wonder that is the incarnation, God with us in all of creation. Pope Francis says, all is not lost. Human beings are capable of rising above themselves and choosing again what is good, making a new start. He says, let us sing as we go. So the piece of music I've chosen for today's reflection is What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. I see trees of green I see them blue For me and you And I think to myself What a wonderful world I see skies of blue Clouds of white Bright blessed days Dark sacred nights And I think to myself What a wonderful world The colors of the rainbow So pretty in the skies Also on the faces Of people going by I see friends shaking hands Saying how do Is I watch them grow, they'll learn much more than I'll ever know, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world, yes, I think to myself.
So welcome back again to the third part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shannon Bruce. This is the point of a podcast where we read and reflect on the Sunday Gospel. Before that, we invite Shane to pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it, let our eyes be closed and our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. This week we'll take it from... The Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 16 to 21, which is the Gospel for Mary, the Holy Mother of God. The shepherds hurried away to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw the child, they repeated what they had been told about him, and everyone who heard it was astonished at what the shepherds had to say. As for Mary, she treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was exactly as they had been told. When the eighth day came and the child was to be circumcised, they gave him the name Jesus and the name the angel had given him before his conception. That's the Gospel for today. Uh, the, the Gospel for Mary, the Holy Mother of God, chapter, Luke chapter 2, verse 16 to 21. Shane, a thought you might want to share with us, please? Yes, so this Sunday's Gospel, as you said, John, is taken from the Solemnity, and it's, of course, a very ancient feast in terms of Mary's most ancient title, which is Theotokos, Mother of God. And um, it's 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 an important one in, in many respects. It's the most ancient title that she has because it's imp- it was defined at the time in the context of the disputes and the arguments that were going on in the early church about the humanity of Jesus and whether or not he was really fully human. And, of course, the the doctrine, the teaching that comes down to us is that Christ was both fully human and fully divine. And his humanity, of course, comes from his blessed mother, uh, because obviously, you know, she, she was the human side of the equation, so to speak. Um, the gospel that we have here, I suppose, is very much, um, it's a continuation of the Christmas story, but... It's one, I think, that's a bit. we can be a bit sanitised about because we can be presented with the lovely, you know, Christmas card image of the, the nice little, uh, the nice little stable with the, you know, the clean little sheep coming in and the, yeah. the cute little, you know, uh, cherub-like um, shepherds. The reality was it was a, far from that, you know, the, the place where Christ was born is, you know, is a place of destitution. Um, there's no room for the newborn in the normal living quarters. And, you know, the new, the new, the new mother has to put her newborn child into a feeding truck. Like, there's nothing sanitary or there's nothing cute about that, if you like, in many respects. Um, you know, it's, it's, and it's there where the poorest of the poor, which were the sheep herders, found the child. And we're telling them of the story that they had heard, 
the things that they had witnessed. Um, you know, and it's, it's, you know, that's, but we have this idea, this, this kind of, these shepherds coming in, a rough crew, you know, um, you know, and it's kind of a question for us as we worry about things like, you know, our waistline after our indulgences over the Christmas, our, our New Year's resolutions. Uh, I suppose the question is to ask, do we know where we need to be thankful and what we need to be thankful about. Um, you know, because if you think about it, the first people to meet his son, God's son, yeah. were these scruffy down and outs. God's son. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, the, 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 those that were on the absolute margins of, of society. So I suppose it's, it's just something for us to think about. It's a very short gospel this Sunday. They repeated what they had been told, and everyone who heard was astonished at what the shepherds had to say. But Mary, she didn't react. You know, she pondered all these things. She treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. And I suppose there's 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 two sides to it. So there's 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 two examples of our our relationship with God that are are given in this. First of all, there's Mary's example, where she treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. So I suppose that question for ourselves, do we have take time to treasure all that we encounter in our lives mm. and give thanks to God? Mm. You know, one of the hardest things, I suppose, is gratitude and the, 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 the what's the habit? The habit of gratitude that sometimes we need to develop and inculcate in ourselves. And then the other one is the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was exactly as they had been told. So the other question is, well, are we the shepherds in terms of going back and spreading and sharing the news? Because yeah. sometimes when you come out of Mass on a Sunday and you're looking around and you see the glummest of glum faces and you're kind of working, well, guys, yeah. you've just been at Mass for the last 35, 40 minutes. You know, where is the enthusiasm? Where is the spark of joy? Where is the encounter with the divine that will keep you going for the next week that you want to share with everybody else? You know, that's one of the questions that we have to ask. And then the next part of it is when the eighth day came, the child was to be circumcised. They gave him the name Jesus, the name the angel had given him before his conception. And that's important for a number of points. First of all, it shows Matthew is very much complying with the Jewish tradition and the Jewish law. Second of all, he's showing the fulfillment of the requirements as Joseph was told to do. And of course, the naming of Jesus by Joseph is very important because it was a father's responsibility to name and claim um, the child, if you like. So by doing so, Joseph was really shutting down any of the conversations that were happening and the scandal that might have surrounded Mary at this time and was shutting it all down. And at the same time, fulfilling the prophecy that the Messiah would be of the house of David. The other thing to remember, and it's 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 around the circumcision. So that again is in compliance with Jewish law. All male Jews are to be circumcised, especially the firstborn, and that is the that was the covenant that was made. It goes back all the way to the covenant that was made between Abraham and and, and Yahweh. Uh, but the interesting thing from our perspective, of course, is that is the first shedding of blood by Christ for the salvation of humanity, um, for the salvation of each and every one of us. Uh, was the blood spilt at the circumcision. As for many years, the Feast of the Circumcision was a, was a, an important feast day around this time of the year in the different calendars as well. So something for us to consider. But in terms of this week's gospel, I suppose there's a lot there. It's too familiar. 
And what I'd be saying to people on this Sunday is kind of take a moment to really reflect and think about this Sunday's reading. Thanks for that, Shane. Yes, certainly in today's Gospel, we hear about the angels hurrying to find Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. The shepherds have been told earlier about it, as Shane said, and they hurried to find the Holy Family. And they repeated what they'd been told to others. And as Shane mentioned, how good are we at that? How good are we at repeating the good news to other people? Maybe this week we could reflect on how often we repeat the good news to other people. For example, do our neighbours or do our work colleagues, do they know we're Christians actually? And Shane says, do we go around with happy faces or glum faces or not knowing what faces we got? The other thing is, we're also told that the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for what they'd heard. Another way we could reflect this week is how often do we glorify and praise God for the birth of Jesus in our lives? Maybe we could make a bit more of an effort from now on, maybe this year, to appreciate the gift we've been given. A few thoughts for myself and Shane for this week, for the wonderful feast of Mary or Solemnity, Mary the Holy Mother of God. So again, thanks to, again to all the uh, our guests who uh, helped us by uh, reflecting for us, taking time to prepare reflections for us for some Christmas Day last week, and also uh, Noreen Lynch and Jane Mallet today. So for myself and Shane, thanks a lot indeed for joining us. We hope you enjoy the continuation of the uh, Christmas season for the next few days. In the meantime, we'll go out with a final piece of music from Liam Lawton, and this one is entitled Noel Noel. So next week, God bless now. Bye. story of long ago A holy vision as prophets told An angel telling of heaven's plan Prepare the way for God made man A stable there is the place of birth While angels singing resounds on earth Gloria, the light has come Gloria, God's will be done
while heaven's watching is never far.